Pastor Xavier Reese and a reminder that God sent his very best. The Father spoke God from heaven three times regarding the Son. Listen, at his baptism, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, at the hour for which he was sent for, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As hopeless romantics, men have been known to cross cities, states, and even oceans to prove their undying love. But today, Pastor Xavier considers the greatest devotion of love ever ventured upon. Open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, as we continue our study series in the book of Hebrews with today's Simple Truths message titled, Angels have nothing over Jesus. Jesus did not take on the nature of angels. But he did become lower than the angels to redeem mankind. And he'll deal with that later on in chapter 2, verse 7 through 9. And as he became lower than the angels, taking on the form of, of man, then after the resurrection, he was exalted to the right hand. So he's much better than the angels because now heaven has an added thing. Before was just God there. Now you have the God-man who now can bridge the gap to make intercession and be an advocate for sinners. That's why he's better. Jesus obtained this place of superiority over the angels by inheritance of a more excellent name. Notice that he says right there in verse 4. He already has been appointed heir of all things in verse 2, remember? By virtue of being the one who created all things. Now the question is, what is this more excellent name? Here it is, ready? Son. Notice verse 5. Listen to him. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? The question is rhetorical. It has an obvious answer. What is it? None. No angel has ever been declared by the Father, Son by God, to be born to redeem mankind. None. Notice secondly, the superiority of Jesus is by the nature of his office. First in verse 6, that Jesus appeared to angels by his office through his human birth. Angels did not take on the seed of Abraham. Angels neither took on human nature, nor were they begotten by human means, but rather were created. So the word firstborn here we mentioned is prototakos. It means first in priority, importance, and rank. It doesn't mean first in chronological order. He is the first in rank. He says, let all the angels of God worship him. They worshiped him. Now notice, once again in verse 7, we have the argument of proof that's given for Jesus being superior to the angels by his office through his human birth. The fourth quote here is from the Psalms again. And has to do with the nature of angels. 
The quote is from Psalm 104, verse 4. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. The Father declares that the angels are spirits. The word is pneuma, literally wind. We, it's used for the Holy Spirit. You have pneumatic tools, they're run by compressor, air, pneuma. That's the word here. Angels stand once again in contrast to Jesus who became man. They're spirits. Angels do not possess sonship through any incarnation, as we've said. Angels were created by Jesus. Therefore, they are temporal. He is eternal. In fact, this will be the next argument in verse 11 through 12 as proof that he's superior. He's eternal. The angels go here and there with lightning speed as wind to aid man. Such as when the angels were around Elisha's house and Gehazi's servant got up and he saw the enemy around them and he started freaking out and Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And he saw the cherubims and everything else, the chariots of God all around him. And he says, those who are with us are more than those that are with them. The passage, secondly, has to do with the office of angels. The angels are God's ministers of flame of fire. The word minister is used of sacred and religious ministry of the Old Testament for the priests and holy things. It's also used of public ministers, a servant of the state, king, or military labor. The context will always determine how the word is being used. Fire here could represent angels being used for judgment. Since the whole context in the, all the quotes come in view of his second coming for judgment. Like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, angels went and took a lot out of there before they called down brimstone and fire. Like the angel that went out to the Assyrian frontline troops and killed 185,000 in one night. Angels are used for judgment. They have in the past. The angels are all ministering spirits. He'll tell us later on in verse 14 of this chapter. For those who will inherit salvation. So God uses the angels to aid us. I've never seen an angel. I'd probably die if I did, but... But later on, he's going to tell us at the closing of the... Some have entertained angels unaware... So God does use them, and sometimes we don't know that certain individuals are angels because we know angels appear as men. They're not born incarnated, but they take on physical form. We see that in the Scriptures. You remember when God sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lion when Daniel was accused falsely? Oh, king, live forever. God has sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lion. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar says, whew. Pulled them out, dumped all the guys that were guilty in there. If you say, well, the lions weren't hungry. No, 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 their bodies uh, were devoured before the bones hit the ground, it says, when they cast the other guys in. Oh, when Peter was in jail, and the angel come, and he was sleeping. He's going to be killed. He's sleeping between horse soldiers. 
How could he do that? Because Peter remembered the prophecy of Jesus. Peter, you're not going to die till you're old. Boy, when you know that, you can sleep through anything. And the angel's nudging him. Come on, wake up. He says, I thought I was dreaming until he went through the last gate. He says, now I know God has sent his angel to deliver me. And remember, he went to John Mark's house. They were praying for him. And he knocked on the door and, said, and, they, and Rhoda said, oh, it's Peter. No, 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 he can't be that. It's his spirit. It's his angel. We're praying for him. A lot of faith, huh? <laughs> Interesting. The father spoke up from heaven three times regarding the son. Listen. At his baptism, Matthew 3, 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In the Mount of Transfiguration, in Matthew 17, 5. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out from the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, two more words right Hear him at the hour for which he was sent for. John 12, 27 and 28 says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but of this purpose I came to this hour. Father, Glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Three times. My son, my son, my son. The angel served Jesus in his earthly ministry as, as a redeemer. Do you realize that? At his birth, Luke 2, 10 through 14 says, Then the angel said to them, I do, uh, said to them Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Angels were declaring the arrival of the Savior of the world. At the hour that he came for in Gethsemane. Luke twenty two forty three and 44 says, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. At the resurrection, Matthew 28, 2 through 8, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has risen and he said, Come and see the place where, where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. The angel was the messenger. In fact, the disciples were reproved by angels in heaven when Jesus was taken up to heaven. Acts 1.11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Angels. The superiority of Jesus is by the nature of his office. Notice lastly, 
verses 8 and 9. The superiority of Jesus is by the nature of his person. His person. First in verse 8, once again, the statement of fact is declared that Jesus is superior to angels by the nature of his person. This fifth quote is from the Psalms also and has to do with the nature of Jesus. Listen, he is God. The quote, once again, from the psalm deals with his return. Psalm 45, verse 6 and 7. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. The direct contrast of the Son to angels is that he is God who created the angels. Listen. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The Father calls the Son, Jesus, God right here. Being God, he is a king, and he has a kingdom. A throne is mentioned here. As a king, he has a throne, representing the absolute position of kingly rule and authority for judgment. In contrast to the angels who worship and serve him and take orders from him. That's what they do. For he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. They serve at his feet. The son is eternal and immutable, implied by his throne, being forever and ever. The angels are not. They were created by him and they serve and worship him. They are temporal. Now notice the passage secondly has to do with the nature of his authority. The scepter is symbolic of straightforwardness and just government by the ruling authority of the son on his throne. A scepter of righteousness. He has all the power which has to do with the ability to perform the task. He has all the authority which is related to his more excellent name than the angels. He has the right. In other words, no one will ever be judged wrongly or unjustly, but will receive perfect judgment. No mistakes when God judges. None. The son's kingdom is after the same nature of righteousness. Notice a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. At his return to establish the kingdom, he will, it will be in righteousness and truth. That's all it can be. Now notice in verse 9, then once again we are given the argument of proof that Jesus is superior to the angels by the nature of his kingdom. The psalm here now has to do with the moral and the ethical perfection of Jesus for judgment at his return in holiness. The fifth quote is once again from the psalms as he returns. Psalm 45, 6, and 7, still in the same psalm. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. 
Now, as children of God, as Christians, we, we hate sin because we know what sin does. But we still have sin nature, and sin can still attract us, right? God hates it perfectly with perfect hatred. He's not attracted by it. He can't sin. The Father declares His Son's eternal love for righteousness and His hate for lawlessness. The Son stands against the angels. In contrast here to them who rebelled against the law and the rule of heaven through Lucifer. The Son has never done that. The Son has submitted Himself and obeyed the Father. I do always those things that please the Father. Which of you convicts me of sin? Pretty heavy statements. Angels are not without the ability to sin or rebel because they are created and because they have a free will. Could angels technically rebel today? Sure. Will they? I don't know. <laughs> Notice this fifth quote, lastly, has to do with the approval of the father over his son and his ministry of redemption more than any other person. This is the conclusion of the father by the word therefore. In view of all that has been said in the preceding verses, this is the sum of the matter regarding the person and nature of my son. The father calls himself God as he called the son God in verse 8. The father says he is the son's God simply due to the fact that the son was willing to become man and limit himself for a set time to accomplish the redemption of man able to be called the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Because the Jehovah's Witness will point this out to you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, he calls him God, but he says, Thy God. So how could it be God if the Father says God? Well, real simple. Being God, he became man. And he limited himself being made lower than the angels, as chapter 2, verse 5 on down says, for a set time to accomplish the will of the Father and in all things obedience even unto death, and therefore he has been so highly exalted and given a name above every other name that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no contradiction here. The Father calls him God. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven three. He says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man. Now listen, and the head of Christ is God. Yes, the head of Christ is God the Father. Why? Because he became lower than the angels. He took on the form of a servant and he humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross for the redemption of man. Real simple. The Father being God anointed Jesus then with the oil of gladness more than his companions. The anointing with oil of gladness as a reigning king, savior of the world, the judge of the world. The word anointing here is always used to the Holy Spirit in the Septuagint. It's used to anoint kings and priests also with oil, induction to their office. Jesus here is coming back. It's a celebration. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. He's the only one that has ever fulfilled those three offices. Jesus is the judge of all men. None will escape or have excuses. If you as a Christian 
are bitter, angry, upset, or envious at the things that some people get away with, you haven't understood your Bible. No one gets away with anything. Even if they get away with it, but you know even here you don't get away with it. You pay. Jesus will open the books and judge every person. Every word said, everything done. Pretty heavy. In fact, Jesus said in John 5, 26 and 27, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given to him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. He is the judge. Peter tells us in Acts 10, 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Paul says in Romans 2.16, In that day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, all will be revealed. In fact, the author later on will tell us in chapter 10, verse 30, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge, listen, his people. He's not talking to the non-believer. His people. Jesus will judge all who have ever persecuted Christians, both now in the church age, in the Old Testament, as well as the Great Tribulation. In fact, John tells us in Revelation 6.10, he says, And he cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell in the earth? These are the martyrs speaking under the fifth seal. God will judge them. So the believer is given some sobering words regarding judgment. And let me leave you with these because Hebrews is speaking to Christians. First, the author to Hebrews, Paul, I believe. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. Notice the judgment begins in chapter 1. The warning against judgment begins in chapter 1. He deals with it all the way through it. Because if you don't have Jesus to stand on, you're standing on sand. You have no basis for standing before God, nor I. Secondly, 1 Peter 4, 5. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. All will give an account. Many people live today as if they have to give an account to nobody. It's very, very dangerous. And finally, Peter again, 1 Peter 4, 17 says, For the time has come for judgment, listen, to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Man, it begins in the house of God. Okay? The superiority of Jesus is by the nature of his person. He's God, judge of the world. And so the superiority of Jesus to the angels is evident by these three unique characteristics. By the nature of his name, by the nature of his office, and by the nature of his person. He's only given us nine verses so far. 
last 13 chapters. Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Nothing else. Pastor Xavier Reese and a close-up look at our incredible Savior. And by the way, today's message, Angels Have Nothing Over Jesus, is available on CD for only $4. Remember, this will also include everything we heard the last night we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Angels Have Nothing Over Jesus. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us with our stewardship of this ministry. Have you been drifting apart from the Lord? Get shored up next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 